This podcast is all about learning more about ourselves by learning more about God. Scripture tells us that we are to love God and love others. Let us be part of your journey of loving others to make a difference in our culture. Together, we can revitalize kindness. In talking about revivals, I wanted to read this quote from Leonard Ravenhill from his book, Why Revival Tarries. Oh, that believer would become eternity conscious if we could live every moment of every day under the eye of God, if we did every act in the light of the judgment seat, if we sold every article in the light of the judgment seat, if we prayed every prayer in the light of the judgment seat. Welcome to Revitalized Kindness Podcast. My name is Dave Weaver. And I'm Yvette Walker. And on this episode, this episode is just simply called Revival. So we're going to talk about, hey, what is revival and do we need revival? So we're going to look at the history. So we'll start looking at the history of revival in our country to see what were some of the elements that caused these things to take place. And then we're going to have a discussion on the question, is revival near? Are we close to a revival right now in our country? Do we have what it takes? Or or are we even in the position for that? Like I said, some people don't think that we are. I've got an article that's going to pinpoint some things. And this was back in 2018. Can't imagine if the same gentleman wrote the article today, what he might say post 2020. But I'd be curious to see how our conversation is going to go as we talk about that and see just to kind of evaluate where we are. All right. So, um, but a fair question would be, because this is, look, again, this is a season about what is biblical kindness? So what, what does this all have to do with kindness, right? You might be asking yourself, and that would be a fair question, but what uh, uh, I, I think as we discuss the topic today that we are going to see that revival may be the thing that we need to kickstart a revolution of kindness in our culture. I like the lyrics, and you may have heard this song. I'm not sure. There's a song called Revolutionary. It's by a gentleman named Josh Wilson. Love that song. It's a great song. It is a great song. It's like, it's my unofficial theme song for this podcast. I can't use it because I can't afford to pay whatever the rights for it but i that's when i heard that song i was like okay this is the song for the podcast Mm -hmm. there's these lyrics in it though i think it might be the bridge or the chorus i can't remember and and he says or he sings why does kindness seem revolutionary when did we let hate get so ordinary let's turn it around flip the script judge slow love quick god help us get revolutionary so I love that idea because really when it comes to thinking about revival in some sense, you got to have sort of this revolutionary mind in terms of we got to do things different, you know? And I think sometimes when people think about revolution, they think about going against the grain or whatever. But I think as we look at the um, few of these revivals today, Yvette, we're going to see that that's exactly what they did. They took their current condition, and we'll talk about those conditions a little bit, 
and then they did something quite the opposite. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because really, I think me, like a lot of people, when you hear the word revival, you think Billy Graham. And yeah. certainly I think that's a great example. And you may be going to talk about him, but that's all I kind of really you know, know. So I'm looking forward to learning myself more about this and um, seeing just what is revival and how does it go kind of, you know, past Billy Graham and beyond, you know, um, and yeah. just, and just what it is. So I'm looking forward to it. Hey, we can talk about Billy Graham cause you can't see this. I'm gonna hold up my little Billy Graham, uh, magnet for, for a vet. Yeah. And it just says pray on there. So I think that's definitely, uh, appropriate in this conversation. And that may be the thing that we need to tip the scales. Um, definitely it is the thing that has tipped many scales in terms of God's people going to prayer in huge numbers mm -hmm. and the effects of it because God moves through his people in that way. Mm -hmm. So I saw though, an interesting too, I, I saw one person who proposed the question was Jesus revolutionary. And I like what he said. He said this, he says, though Jesus refrained from armed political opposition to Roman authority. He was indeed revolutionary in another sense. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, hailing God alone as the one true king over heaven and earth. He called his followers as citizens of God's kingdom to live in a radically different way on earth. Rather than hating their enemies, they were to love them. And rather than seeking revenge, the disciples of Jesus were to turn the other cheek. So again, just a different way to think um, as opposed to maybe how we are maybe wired to think in our society today. Totally agree. So what is revival? What is it? Uh, Yvette, if you just had to throw out your, cause I know you're definitely a, you're, you're, you're uh, what you're, in college. You are a, what was your position? I teach media. Yes. And ethics. And ethics. And you're 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 super smart. So what would your <laughs> she's shaking her head it's like no 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 don't put me on the spot like that. How would you frame revival in terms of a spiritual revival? Mm -hmm. What what does that kind of look like in, in your in your mind? When I hear that word and I and just what you said, when I think of it from a spiritual perspective, I think of a dead heart mm. inside your body just being brought back to life through the spirit and through the love of God. I mean, that's just what comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, whether or not you're talking about, you know, and, and the idea of if someone, you know, is unconscious and their heart stopped beating, you take the defibrillators. And you yes. put it on their chest and you try to, you know, jolt them back. It's that spiritual jolt. Yeah. That is, I think of with revival. And I think, I mean, I think of this, this wave of love coming over you and you realize maybe for the first time, or maybe it's a reminder that you have a, a spiritual father that loves you so much and it just, it's palpable. I mean, you can feel, I felt it. You can feel a wave come over you. So that's what love I think it. of. I love it. And you know what? You hit it on the nail. So let me read you what I got here. 
And so much of what you just talked about is, is in this explanation. This explanation comes from gotquestions.org where I get a lot of information, but they answer the question, what is a Christian revival? And they say revival refers to a spiritual awakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. So they're dead, right? As we were talking about, and it encompasses the resurfacing of a, of a love for God an appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for his word and his church, a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin, a spirit of humility and a desire to, of, for repentance and growth in righteousness. They also say, go on to say in this article, revival in many respects replicates the believer's experience when he or she is saved. It is initiated by a prompting of the Holy Spirit, creating an awareness of something missing or wrong in the believer's life that can only be righted by God. In turn, the Christian must respond from the heart, acknowledging his or her, her need, then in a powerful way, the Holy Spirit draws back the veil of the, uh, that the world has cast over the truth, allowing the believer to fully see themselves in comparison to God's majesty and holiness. That's a big, that's a lot, but it, I, I think I believe every word that they're talking about there. And again, what, a lot of what you said resonated with that, with that article. And, um, and I, I think, too, just what that where it says in turn, the Christian must respond from the heart, acknowledging his or her need. And that's it. That that's that spirit of humility where that we have to have. And I think we've talked about humility a lot on the podcast. And I know I talk about it a lot in my personal life, teach it to my girls, but I think that's what we have to have is a, is a sense of humility, humility or um, a position or what was some, what am I trying to say? A, uh, we need to have this. We need to be in a uh, humil or humble state of humility, or mm -hmm. be humble mm -hmm. before our a mighty God in order to, in order to again, like what Jesus would say, die to yourself. We have to die to ourselves in order to, um, to follow, to follow God. Um, you know, there's a phrase in the Bible that I have recently come to use and i think i didn't really understand it before but it's that idea of being hard-hearted that mm -hmm. when we are hard-hearted we can't receive any of what you're talking about mm -hmm. we do have yeah. to be humble we do have to be in a state of humility to receive what he's given us but if we harden our heart we are not going to receive the love we're not going to receive the peace the joy any of the fruits we're not going right. to receive them and yeah. i think i think now when i'm thinking about that that idea of having a hardened heart part of it is humility or a lack of yeah i think so too so let's look at some of the great awakening or not the great awakenings great awakening was one of the uh revivals one of the great revivals that we had in the united states matter of fact the first two that i that i looked up the first great awakening as they call it and then the second great awakening um Actually, that it did take place in the United States, but it was this awakening of the spirit was felt in Europe as well. So this just wasn't primarily United States. Uh, the first great awakening happened in 1730 to 1740. Um, so at that time, churches, and this is according to some articles. I'm going to read. I'm going to read these. I'm going to put the links for us so you can look these up. Just a lot of great information there. 
Um, but it says churches are lax in their requirements for church participation and membership. It is called the halfway covenant and is and it allowed children of non-believing parents to still be baptized in good faith, that they'd be reared with morals of the church. Remember that church membership is voluntary, which creates a challenge from what is truth and, and the function of infant baptism as ushering into a wider community's uh, of citizenship. Now, this particular revival, there's some key players. A lot of people's heard of Jonathan Edwards. A lot of people's heard of John, or excuse me, Charles Wesley, or and George Whitfield. Uh, some of the bigger players, Jonathan Edwards. He was well known for his sermon entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Which, as a matter of fact, you can look it up anywhere and get a free PDF or if you're if you're on audio, uh, uh, some sort of like, I don't know, Amazon Prime and you got the books, you can get it free. It's it's really interesting to read. I read through some of it recently, as a matter of fact. Um, but through the local teaching of Edwards, so we got John Ed, or Jonathan Edwards teaching and the traveling ministry of Whitfield uh, starting in Georgia and working up to Massachusetts. Colonial people are convicted of their sin and renewed to uh, for the need of Jesus. Now, I want to read this real quick. I got it marked, hopefully. Now, Romans 10, uh, verses 14 and 15. Let me read that real quick in reference to kind of what we, we see there. How then, it says, can they call on him that have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So, from that scripture, I, I think we see that in, in the history with Jonathan Edwards and others. They took the message to the street. There was a need for a, a pastor or a messenger or a or, or a, a preacher, and I think they filled that role. And that's how people people aren't going to get saved till they hear God's word. And I think that's a big way. Especially think about then. I mean, now I think we've got media where. Perhaps people are scrolling through the internet and other means, and they may, maybe they run into an article, maybe they run into a video, which in a lot of cases they're doing a similar thing. Um, but back in those days, I mean, there wasn't, and unless you stepped into a church, you weren't going to hear it. So I think going to the streets might have been a little bit more. Well, what do you think? Have you heard, and, and, and let me ask you this too, just see what your opinion is. Sometimes you, uh, the 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 church or the uh, street preachers get a bad rap. Some of them yell in people's ears. I do understand. I've seen them, and you know, sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's effective. But what what do you think? What's your thoughts on on any of that? I have not seen many street preachers in a long time, and when I have seen them, they've been in big cities, um, looking a little bit disheveled. And to be honest, looking a little bit, you know, you kind of wonder about them. <laughs> so, I, you know, but just, I mean, think about, well, okay. So that idea of the street preacher, but let's talk about other 
so-called street preachers. So do you see mm -hmm. people handing out leaflets today? Yep. Are they the new street preacher? I think a lot of people get annoyed by that, but I mean, yeah. whether or not it's people handing out leaflets informative about religion or from different sects of religion or to talk about different social issues and the Christian perhaps aspect on that. I mean, I don't know. Is that the new yeah. street preacher? Cause I haven't seen a good old, yeah. I, I say good old, but like right. Brimfire, you know, and street preacher in a long time. Yeah. I honestly, I haven't either. Um, now at the same time, I don't get out a lot. So I don't go to the downtown areas. Uh, maybe you do. I, I just haven't. Um, I often don't see those. I do see a lot not brimstone and fire type preaching necessarily, but I do see a lot of uh, people preaching and getting Jesus, uh, the message of Jesus out on uh, like TikTok and other type of sources, YouTube, oh, especially yeah. TikTok. I watch a lot of TikTok and of course it streams things that you're watching. And so I see a lot of those and there's tons of people out there. Mm -hmm. on, and we talk a lot about social media and we kind of hate on it, but man, it's such a, great because i heard one preacher say you know you got to go to where the people are and often they're not in church i mean we look at stats and we see the numbers lowered in uh especially the last couple of years but i think you just got to go where people are they're online um yeah they are yeah so. and, and that's why and i'm not on there any anymore i mean i am on there but i'm not i don't host a show anymore just because i don't have the time but that's why i got on clubhouse i got on clubhouse right very, very quickly, because I just thought, well, let's see what's happening. And and I, to my delight, there was a lot of faith-based content on Clubhouse. I had yeah. a room called the House of Joy that I no longer have just because, again, you just, you can't do everything. Uh, but right. there are a lot of people on there. And you're right. You know, maybe the question is, uh, is the street preacher, like, what's the street? Is the street social media? Is the street yeah. platform? Maybe it's platform preacher. Maybe that's the go. terminology these Platform days. Platform preacher. You know? I like it. Yeah. I don't know. You may have just created a new term. All right. Uh, I coined it. I like it. it. I coined that I'm going to give you credit and <laughs> send all proceeds to Yvette Walker. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. Next one I've got, uh, next revival was the second great awakening, which happened in the 1820s to the 1850s. And at this time, the moral fabric of society, it's tattered, torn by sin and, mis and misplaced affection. The desire to usher in the second coming of Jesus by saving society provides the strong impetus to make certain thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, whereas, look, but whereas the first awakening works itself through the church and probably through the streets as well, the second awakening uh, or revival, it will appeal to anyone and everyone. It it brings about the now. This is some things that sort of spawned out from, or you know, were, were kind of like, I guess the awakening was sort of the the beginning or the agent that created uh, traction or movement for these other, which is very cool stuff here. But it brought uh, about the temperance movement for the anti-slavery movement, as well as the Underground Railroad, Railroad, Women's Rights, the Salvation Army, the Adventist, Advent, I can't say it, Adventist movement, I, I'm just saying that right, the YMCA, 
<laughs> anybody go to the Y and see uh, and sees mighty growth in Baptist and Methodist denominations. So it <clears throat> it seems a little bit more open um, and 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 to preaching to everyone there. It reminds me though of John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Uh, whoever the whoever, and I think there is you know there's this emphasis at least it seems like some of the results of that that um a particular revival is results of many things that they saw going wrong in society and so there were a lot of and i wish again i think the actual article gives more um more history um i'm sure there's some some great other great resources i personally would like to dig into that more because i'm curious how did these the this awakening or this uh this revival how did it uh, affect the anti slave slavery movement how did it affect the underground railroad how did it affect women's rights i'm i'm just curious i mean it didn't really give the details at least in the part that i i grabbed but i think that's interesting um and there was a third great awakening 1875 through 1885. All right, so the Civil War ended in, in, ends in 1865, and with the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, the vulnerability of humanity is clear. So this backdrop provides the opportunity for many to see their need for Christ. All right, here's where we talk about D.L. Moody. Now, in this one, D.L. Moody begins a Bible study for street children in the 1850s. And it grows to a substantial number, whereby even President-elect Abraham Lincoln attends to, uh, tends to see it for himself. Moody goes on to establish Moody Church and the Bible Institute and continues to preach all around the country to more than 100 million people. Uh, some people may have heard of Ira Sankey, but he's a notable hymn writer, and he worked close with Moody during that time. And they do say in this article, too, that Moody was uneducated, and he breaks out of the normal conventions of the church. The appeal is simple. This is the appeal. Uh, Jesus wants, or wants you the way you are, and come to him now because he's coming back soon. So it just seems that there's, again, there's an urgency. There's an environment that and I think we see like when, when they describe this environment as, um, and, and in the previous one too, where it talks about that the society's tattered, torn by sin. And then in the third great awakening, they talk about this backdrop that there's where there's an opportunity for many to see their need for Christ. And I think we are there. We're, we're just like any of these times where great revivals happened, we are in a moment, I believe, in history where we see a decline in faith, a decline in the the, the movements of the church or the maybe the the effect of the church, I guess you could say. We see an increase in many other things, the sinful ways of living, morality, um, you know, just a lot of things that I think we've talked about before. So, again, I think we've got this perfect backdrop to, hey, we need revival. But, I mean, it's, it is interesting, but take a look at those, take a look at those times and people, people were desperate, you know, I mean, during 
I mean, just during a lot of those times, people were desperate. Um, poverty was high. Um, just things were happening. Some of that we're going to, you know, you haven't, you haven't gone to the 1900s yet, but you're going to get there here in a minute, the great depression and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, or you can make the argument that there's some desperation today, but I'm mm -hmm. not, I, you know, are we, are we at the same level to be able to accept revival? I, I don't know. I'm just asking that question. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I think we've got, I think we have too many options. We have too many self-helpers. <laughs> We have too many people that have, have a solution. I mean, I mean, I think with media, just the the enormous size of platforms or the enormous amount of platforms, yeah. the size of these platforms, where everybody has either a self help book guide, they are a life coach. I mean, I'm even in the Christian community. I, I'm not I'm not knocking on anybody, but I have just noticed. Yeah that we have a lot of coaches mm -hmm. calling them, themselves coaches. I see a lot more recently. I see a lot more certified. Um, I mean, what does it qualify for? Um, they're, they're like Christian counselors, but they're more like more or less like they're not licensed, but you can get certified. And I think there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that are getting the certification. So they're not official necessarily mm -hmm. in terms of what, the requirements are typically, but they're, but they're getting a certification and they're taking that and they're running with it and they're using it and they're building a platform off of that. And then, then they're, again, providing help. Maybe they're providing great help. I don't know. I'm haven't checked out half of them, honestly, but, but I mean, I just kind of wonder, um, you know, how biblically sound they might be because we got to be careful. I mean, we, we can create an institution um, or a, business and LLC and call it uh, a faith-based business, even a podcast, if you will, we can call it a faith-based podcast, but how close are we staying to scripture and how far are we leading people away from what God actually says? Because we're, we're, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, it's great that, I, and I think it's great if we have a big movement because we do, I think in a sense, we see a big movement of that kind of thing. Think about all, all the Christian-based podcasts we have, YouTube channels, uh, Twitter accounts. I mean, you just name it. The go to every social media. There's there's tons of content. Like it took a few people in these other instances of revival in Scripture. It took twelve guys. It just took a few people that were definitely networked out, and there were more. I mean. There were men and women in 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 terms of who was taught under the apostles and who went out and 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 planted churches and things like that. But again, it was it was a network. So I mean, I think in some sense, and we'll get into this a little deeper later because it's sort of that kind of that last question we're going to look at. But or one of the last questions: Are we amidst uh, some sort of revival right now? Hmm, I see. What, I see what you mean. Maybe. I mean. I think that, as you said, you know, there are a lot of coaches and I think that there's a lot of information that can supplement the, you know, the way, you know, I mean, if we yeah. are, if we are, um, biblically sound ministry, be it 
brick and mortar or be it an online ministry, then a lot of the information we provide, the inspiration, the encouragement um, is, is supplemental to what we get. Now, I would say that I know a lot of churches are trying to provide some of the supplemental churches online and things like that. They're trying to catch the people who have maybe have never gone or don't have a relationship with Christ. But those who do, you know, we shouldn't use these uh, um, platforms just because we're too comfortable Sunday morning and don't want to get up and go to church. Yeah. I mean, so Keith Green, a favorite singer songwriter of mine who died in the 80s, he's got this song that every time I hear it just convicts me. It's called Asleep in the Light. And, he, and, and I don't have the lyrics in front of me, but it's like, it's like, get out of your bed, go worship. Mm. It's like, I mean, it's just, like I said, it convicts me every time. So, I mean, I think that what we have going on is great, but it has to remain supplemental to the first thing, which is, you know, being in the word. And I know there's a lot of church hurt out there, but I think church is important. I've, I've always thought church is important. I've gone to church all my life. Yeah. And I, again, I Absolutely. do understand that there's church hurt. I've been, I've been blessed not to have experienced that. I, I know that there are interracial couples who've experienced, experienced church hurt because, you know, of whatever reception they got at the church. But for me and my experiences, I've never, I've never received that. I, I just think it's something about going to church you are among other Christians, you're worshiping together. There's just something about that, that I think is important, mm -hmm. but everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's great, but I would mm -hmm. say, I would just say, don't use that as the primary. Right. I mean, it's the supplemental. Absolutely. Hey, and, and if, and if you've experienced church hurt, we do have an episode about that in season two, where we interviewed Scott Disler, who has a great book. He talks about church hurt from two different aspects. He talks about it from a person that's go, that goes to church that might have been hurt by the church. He also talks about the hurt that can be involved in terms of the clergy or the, the, the pastoral or the leadership uh, staff of a church. So it's an interesting episode. Check it out. Um, I agree with you. Um, I think we don't need to just settle for just all that supplementary stuff. And, and, and it's great because we've got to feed our minds with good stuff. And there's plenty of bad stuff we could feed our minds with. So absolutely, if we are feeding our minds with that, again, as long as it's not swaying us from what the actually Jesus or the Bible says, then that's totally, it's totally fine because you are feeding your, your, your mind and your heart with the good stuff, uh, good things. And, and hopefully building upon that, um, I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? I right. mean, absolutely. We, we are, it's, I mean, just look at the explosion of podcasts that came out during COVID. And of course, not all of them certainly, you know, were faith-based, but a lot were. And I think if you were to ask the authors and the podcasters, um, and even some of the coaches that, you know, have a, have a biblically based program, um, if you were to ask them, it's because we, we want to give glory to God in yeah. what we do. And we want to encourage other people. Absolutely. I, you know, 
I was planning this in 2019, but it couldn't have been more of a God thing to say, hey, because in 2020 is when it actually got launched. And by the time it got launched, it, it already went crazy in our in our country. So it was it was definitely an interesting time for us as podcasters and other believers and leaders to just kind of walk through it with others and talk about it. Um, and I, I think it, I think it probably helped. Now, hopefully it did. It helped others, others that weren't going to church at the time. A lot of churches closed um, and some churches just didn't have the video equipment yet. Right. So they were really behind times. And unfortunately, maybe they, they, they were spiritually hungry. All right, real quick, couple more. Um, and I'll and I'll kind of speed through these in the 20th. Uh, let me back up. There's one called the Azusa Street Revival, A-Z-U-S-A. That's the way you spell that. Azusa, 1906 through 1915. So this uh what happens on the Azusa Street sparks what we know today is the Pentecostal movement. It is built on the holiness movement, which focuses on sanctification being noticeably separated from the habits of the world and is a repercussion of the second great awakening. And on April 9th, 1906, the spirit of God falls down and several people begin speaking in tongues. They called it the second blessing or sometimes the third work of grace. The first being salvation and the second sanctification. All right. You could do a podcast on that one just because there's so much there in terms of uh, I know a lot of people like to talk about has the spiritual gifts like that ceased and stuff like that. But nonetheless, you know, I went to it. I will tell this quick story. I don't have a Pentecostal background, but I did go to a school that and it wasn't it wasn't a Pentecostal school but it was led by Christ, uh, Pentecostal leaders, okay? So it was a mixture. There was all kinds of believers there, right? Catholic, Protestant, you name it, Methodist, whatever, whatever the case was. Let me tell you, they had a prayer room right next door to the classroom that I sat in every Tuesday and Thursday night at 7 o'clock, or well, no, it was 6 o'clock. I went straight from work, went there. I have never heard such powerful prayer until I went to that school in that, in that, in that, in that prayer room, I heard so many, I've never heard so many powerful testimonies from people who have seen the movement of God in their lives. Some of it happened overseas. Some of it happened here. Well, I remember one gentleman talking about a girl being brought back to life. Don't know if that happened, but glory to God if it did, mm-hmm. right? Because he just talked about this this strong belief, and and the way that they pray is amazing. I mean, a lot of I'm 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 Baptist, and we just don't use now when we end our prayer. Here's how we end our prayer, and they are we pray this uh, or wait, wait, wait how do we end it? <laughs> I gotta think now. Now that I put myself on the spot, right? Um, and in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We, we more or less something like that. Or in his name, we pray, amen. Something to that effect. Now, almost every third line of, uh, of the prayers that I witnessed anyway was in the name of Jesus, I blah, blah, blah. You know, so it was just this very powerful 
prayer because in the name of Jesus, that Jesus' name was powerful to them. I think more so powerful than it was, or at least the way it felt to anyone that I had ever met in, mm-hmm. in a spiritual sense from mm-hmm. other believers that I knew. The, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There was more talk and more teaching surrounded around the Holy Spirit, which I think we lack in, in churches, quite frankly. And it's just my opinion, I know, but I think we do. There was a great book by uh, was Jackie Chan, not Jackie Chan. Wow. Francis Chan. Okay. Not Jackie Chan. He don't write books like that. Ah. He's the- <laughs> I knew that didn't sound right when it came out. I was like, so Jackie Chan wrote this great book about the Holy Spirit. And you're like, uh-uh. I don't think so, but no, he, he, can, he, he can kick that book. He got That's some moves, sure. but. <laughs> <laughs> A man might move like the spirit, but anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> Francis Chan wrote a great book. Uh, don't know the name. I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head, but it's just a great book talking about how, about the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so I think there's this, there's, there's something there uh, uh, with, and again, I'm not, I'm not Pentecostal, but I'm never going to hate on anyone that is because I have, Although that may be not everything I agree with, but I have seen some of the, I've been moved by, by the prayer and the things that I've witnessed just in class. I mean, just in class, not even in church. We're not in church, but I felt like I was in church and I, and, you know, honestly, I'll be honest with you. And I'll say this. I felt like I felt more in church in that, in that school than I ever did probably in at least churches that I used to go to. Right. And so that's, that's all I'll say about that. And it's not to say yeah. anything about Baptist or anything like that. Cause again, I'm, I'm Baptist, but I just think there's a different attitude towards worship in, in that movement. And so there was this great awakening there. And that was the Azusa street revival. Um, well, I, now I just want to say the, just real, real yeah. quick is that I think, I think there are a lot of people who, who we will say, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but they just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And we just had a sermon series at our church, and he introduced this sermon series by saying, a lot of you guys think the Holy Spirit is kind of woo-woo, but we're going to break it down. <laughs> no, really. And um, okay. look look at how it's applied in the Bible. And, and I think that's true. I mean, the, you know, the Holy Spirit can, can be scary sometimes mm. if you... Um, I mean, I know I've been stirred. I know I've been stirred before, you know? Well, you know, I heard an atheist say the other day, I listened to him on Twitter. He said that uh, people are people are afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah. And and, and I think you're going, you're, you're saying something about not understanding there with the Holy Spirit. And not that they're afraid of the Holy Spirit, but maybe they don't approach that. Cause I think a lot of times with the Trinity, a lot of people that I know in the circles that I run, they're not going to touch explaining the Trinity because it's such this, they can't, they can't fathom it. Yeah. And so it's just not even talked about really, but mm-hmm. not that we need to explain it, but maybe that's it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no, that that's just, I, that's just it. I was just going to say that I think that, um, but there's, but there's some amazing music that if not, talks about the spirit directly certainly refers to it and mm. um there's a song called fresh fire and i cannot mm. remember the is it brandon lake i'm not sure i can't remember the name but yeah. uh this but this song was playing before the first time i ever spoke 
at a mm-hmm. Bible, at a woman's Bible study. And oh my goodness, that song was fire. I mean, it was called oh, Fresh wow. Fire, but it was about that fresh fire falling on you. And that was all about the spirit. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm going to look up Jackie Chan. No, I'm just kidding. Let me, <laughs> let, me <go. laughs> let me, let me, uh, let me look up Francis Chan's books real quick. I'll let you know. Crazy Love. That's what it's called. It definitely worth a read. I uh, just wanted to find that real quick. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another book. Oh man, I don't have it in front of me. I was looking up there. Don't have it. I'll I'll try to think of that. One more though. One more revival. 20th century revival. Now this one's got a longer span, so I and I haven't dug into this uh, very much, but it's from the 1910s to the 1970s. Um. The industrial age is in full force and Darwinism is reshaping our sense of the value of history and future accomplishments. Much like the revivals before, this period is noted for its large gatherings. And I think we can include Billy Graham in that. We were talking about that. Uh, You mentioned that at the top of the show. So there was noted for its large gatherings and the uh, accusation of sin and proximity of people to the gates of hell as a result of their wayward lives. You talked about that brimstone fire um, kind of preaching. And I think we probably seen more of that during maybe, I mean, probably prior to the seventies, but I know for sure with our generation um, definitely saw that in my lifetime in the seventies and even in the eighties. So yeah, we've got all these great revivals in, in America and and so we just see people returning to their roots. I mean, I remember uh, three revelations in the the uh, letter to Ephesus. Uh, Jesus talks about returning to their first love, and so I think that that's where our love. We have a love for everything, <laughs> right? We have wore the word love out where it means hardly anything anymore. I think in our society, but just returning to our roots in terms of like Jesus and um, our faith and such. And God's people has always, so we're just talking about these, these, uh, these, um, these movements in recent history. But I mean, if you look through scripture too, God's people have always sought restoration, right? Or, or revitalization or uh, revival. Psalm 51, 12 says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Psalm 61 says, you have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. Uh, Psalm 80, verse 3 says, restore us, O God, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. And lastly, Psalm 85, but it's all through the Psalms. You can read them. Uh, Psalm 84, uh, 85, 4 says, restore us again, God, our savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Maybe the problem is sometimes we don't think about what displeases God. And maybe I think part of it, I mean, what do you think of that? Do you think that sometimes we're just so far away from God because we don't worship, because we don't, you know, not, not we, but just in general, speaking in general terms. Um, we don't go to church consistently. Like you said, church is important. I think we find accountability and, and fellowship and great teaching in, in church, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
and discipleship, hopefully. Um, you don't always find that, but hopefully you find good discipleship in, in, in our churches, right? But I think often we get so far away from church, from, from Scripture, what Scripture says, and um, our prayer lives. And so I think the further and further we like kind of like drift away, sort of, um, I, I feel like something, maybe we're in the same spot as some of these folks or some of the psalmist would write, uh, where they say, you know, they're pleading for God to restore them again, put away your displeasure towards us. Uh, one said that you have uh, uh, restored to me the joy of your salvation. It's almost like they have for either forgotten it or gotten so far away mm-hmm. from from what God would have for them. Um, what do you think? I mean, what do you think kind of causes that for us, the uh, disconnect with God? So, I mean, we're talking about a span of thousands of years, but the Israelites, they knew that all those miracles had happened. And I think there, you know, and there was a long time when like not much was happening. And I think that they were just pleading to God to restore and to come back to us. You know, Mm -hmm. I think now people today, contemporary people today, 21st century people, we don't remember those miracles. Now there are miracles out there and there are people who have been blessed and favored to have seen miracles, but for the most part, um, Mm -hmm. we, you know, we don't, we don't memorize a book of laws that refer to miracles anymore. Like the Israelites did, you know, we just don't do that. So I, I think that we are not, we don't remember them. We're not expecting them. And it's only when we get in the word and you know, be around others, helping each other, iron sharpens iron, that we can remember that we, we worship a God who is faithful and who made promises to us and he will keep those promises. But just, mm. but just in general, we don't even think about that. You know, when, if we come together as a group and I'm, you know, I like Netflix too, as much as the next person, <laughs> but we are going to talk about the new Netflix, you know, series that's out before we refer to anything spiritual and that's just that's just where we are now and so i think that that either means that we're primed for revival or would we not receive it if revival happened yeah absolutely but i have to say that the chosen tv show is a bit of a miracle you know i know not everybody watches it but it is a bit of a miracle in the movie and producing world to have a TV show about the life of Christ that is pretty accurate. They take the pains to do it's, it's, it's been in the movies now and now it's, it's becoming another platform where they're making more Christian based faith-based films. Um, I don't know. Something is happening. Something is happening and people are receiving that, but maybe that's because, you know, again, we, they're going to where the people are and the people are online watching streaming content. Yeah, I know. And you, you actually, didn't you get to interview Dallas Jenkins? I did. And I, and you know, the one thing I, I like about what they're doing is they in all when, when they when they film and they written their scripts 
they have a Catholic priest, an evangelical person, and I want to say a rabbi. They have three people in the room to go over stuff and determine whether or not, because obviously it's fictionalized, you know, because we, right. we weren't there. So I like that. And I like the fact you just talked about humility, how humble Dallas Jenkins is the creator and the director of this. Uh, he's a very humble person. He had a, he, he had a career failure before this started and he openly talks about it. Mm. Um, he openly talks about um, just difficulties that he and his wife have had, you know? So there's something about that, that I think is connecting with people. Maybe that's what we need now. I'm not saying that the chosen is perfect at all, but it's, it's a very interesting thing that's happening. Is that a part of revival? Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think for a lot of, a lot of years, well, forever, really up until now, um, there's probably been very little, very little room for Christian based media, uh, movies included, of course, to, to have that big of a platform. I mean, and, and they have just, it, it has, it's been a miracle in, in many ways, just how big an explosion and they were independent too. It wasn't like they were dependent on some major network necessarily to, to push that. I think, didn't they come out with this just on an app app only at oh, first? Yeah. Now I think this- now it's moved to some networks or some streaming services have it but at first yeah it was just app right at first at first it was an app they had some sponsors but it was it was pay it forward people were paying to try to get the next episode made yeah so it is it is interesting i you know right now and you know i i don't know him that well but i wonder if dallas is seeing the growth and wondering, okay, we got to control this growth. It can go, it can go a little crazy, but what I think they're doing is they're seeing the growth. They've got a new app called angel studios, uh, which is the, you know, the studios, angel studios and bread, uh, loaves and fishes production group. Hmm. They want to make other content other biblically based content. So that is good. That's awesome. But I, but if it, you know, sometimes, sometimes things will grow, they'll get out of hand. And right. if you're not there controlling it, you know, you can lose your way. I, I think so far they're doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that uh, <laughs> we're talking about Francis Chan earlier and I messed that all up, but Francis Chan too, kind of has that same philosophy with churches anymore um, he plants, or I don't know if he's doing that right now, but I know in the recent last 10 years, you know, his church at one point uh, was growing, a lot of growth. His popularity was growing with his books and such and such. And uh, everybody wanted Francis Chan at their conference, that kind of thing. And he stepped away from all of that. And what he did was he created a, a sort of this movement of, of home or house churches. I don't know if you know about that, but he did create a, a movement of house churches. And one way that those were set up was that once they got to about 12, 15 believers, then they would take a, a one person that was being um, discipled and brought up within that community. And then they would plant another house church. And so they never got too big. So I think, you know, with, with the book of Acts, we've seen that the very a similar thing, because we saw like churches, the growth, but we also saw the apostles going out and planting other churches and, and they, 
and they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes they wanted to go one way. The Holy Spirit would say no, either stay or they would send or the Holy Spirit would send them somewhere else. So there was definitely a different environment than I think we see today. And I think today we see churches get get huge, big, become more like corporations in some sense. Um, which isn't always bad, but I think that sometimes, again, I think sometimes like maybe Dallas Jenkins or others may sort of have in the back of their mind, is this getting too big? Yeah. Can we handle it? Um, so let's look at this, switch gears a little bit. Are we in need of revival? That's the question. Eh, where are we at? What's the, what's the current state? I'm not, I don't have a lot of stats, but I'll, I'll mention a couple. And I'll put the uh, links down below in the show notes. Uh, One article said this. It says, currently, 64% of people say that they are Christian, but nearly a third of those raised Christian eventually switched to none, N-O-N-E, or nothing in particular, while only about 20% of those raised without religions or religion becomes Christian. So, how? Our percentage moves from Christian to none versus those with no religion at all moving to a religion. So that's interesting. And if that ratio of switching continues at a steady pace, then in roughly half a century, about um, only about 46% of Americans will identify as country and or, as country as Christian. And that number actually was a little lower on one thing that I read. It was in the 30% range. Um, And this is interesting. I like what this said. And at the beginning of this article, if you go on, if click on it and look, the first words were Pew Pew Research Center isn't ruling out a future religious revival in America, but given the country's steady trends away from faith affiliation, experts don't know what it would look like so there seems to be a little bit of doubt in the air just with 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 those stats um because we we are an environment where it seems like um not being affiliated with uh, a religion is the cool thing if you want to call it that or it's the end thing to do a lot of faiths um have just gotten a bad rap um a lot of faiths find them their, their, their selves in the news. A lot of the biggest ones in, in our, our, well, Christian faiths in America, um, Catholic uh, being, or Catholicism or Catholics, and then you got Protestant. There's been, they've been in the news, both of them, right? So, yeah, there's just a, a little bad taste about faith or, or religion. There's a lot more. There's been in the last, I'd say, last 10 to 20 years, too, I'd say there's been some really smart, um, I don't want to give them too much credit, but there's been a lot of smart atheists that has come out who has written books, Richard Dawkins being one of them, and a lot of people's probably heard of him. Um, you've got, uh, what's his name, um, Bill Maher. <clears throat> when I say smart, I just mean clever in terms of the way that they, and maybe they're not the smartest people in the world, per se, but they're just been very clever and very articulate about the way that they talk about faith and, and, and um, talking about faith delusion or God delusion. That was Richard Dark Dawkins book, uh, which was God delusion. Um, there's a, I think there's an atheist manifesto out. I, don't, I can't remember who wrote that. It could have been Dawkins. 
So, and a lot of people consider atheism or humanism a, a faith or a religion uh, in itself. But point is, I think that there's less and less um, uh, people in, in our world, in our society, that want to be connected to a certain faith. Um, could be for many reasons, again. So what do you think, Yvette? Do you think right now, are are we in need of revival? I think that we are in need of revival. Like the Pew Research Center, what would that look like? Yeah. Um, you know, would it would it go back to small small group type situation, or would we see huge crowds at you know, at, at kind of the old fashioned revivals. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, we, you talked about those stats and, and I saw those stats, gosh, earlier this year and read mm -hmm. them and they saddened me so much. And, um, and I actually did an episode on that on my podcast, which if you'd like to, you can, cause I talked mm -hmm. with my pastor about it. I was just, you know, it, it just makes me really sad, but Absolutely. the people, so I think that there's probably fewer people who are being raised to go to church. That's one thing. And then, and then if they do find their way to faith later, like you say, those numbers are not very big. And then just in general, the numbers are trending down of people who call themselves of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are a group of people that felt called and driven to start online ministries to start podcasts i know we talked about this a little bit already mm -hmm. but authors who have begun to self-publish and just trying to get that experience out there so right will you know will there be one person a billy graham like person that will you know call for a great revival or will it be like a grassroots type of situation I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, but I think, mm -hmm. I think we are seeing people move in this regard. I don't know either. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, I say, I would say that uh, we talked a little bit about the possibility of there currently being some sort of revival happening within social media because we, there's so many accounts out there and people that are speaking the name of Jesus and preaching or giving devotions or whatever the case is. Um, there's tons of people out there, but is it getting oversaturated? I, sometimes I got a podcast on while I'm working and I'm not really hearing what they're saying. It's just background noise. Um, sometimes I hear so many different opinions about the same subject online spiritually biblically mm -hmm. that if I'm not, and we're going to get into this in just a second, if we don't really are not familiar with God's word ourselves and we're not reading it for ourselves, then I'm, I don't know where to land on that. Right. Yeah. So uh, the oversaturation could be a killer, could be a good thing, but I think too, it's just, it could, it could be dangerous as well. And for, for a few reasons, um, there's a guy by the name of Chuck Wallace. He's a evangelism or he's evangelist, uh, leader. 
in um, at one of the colleges. I can't remember the name of the college. I think it's Southwestern Theological or no, Southeastern Theological. Um, he wrote this article, and this was back in 2018, and, and the title of the article is Why the North American Church is Unlikely to Experience Revival. And he starts his article like this. First, a caveat. He says, I strongly believe that revival is the gift of God, and he grants it sovereignly, sovereignly, I can't say those words, by his sovereignty, uh, according to his plan. And he says, my point with this post, though, is not that we somehow control God's event calendar. Instead, it is our church culture that... It's that our church culture doesn't exhibit some of the characteristics that have preceded God's great movements. So here's why I wonder if the North American church will uh, experience revival. And again, I'll put this link to the end of the show notes. One of the points he makes, and I think you alluded to this just a second ago, we're we're really not desperate for God. This is number one point. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says we may use that kind of desperation terminology, but the words don't always reflect our heart. It's been some time since I have seen a congregation that pleads for God's presence. Amen. Amen. I can say that from personal experience. Uh, Number two, he says we tend to speak about the sin of others rather than to deal with our own sin. Amen. Amen. yes amen a lot of that there's a lot of people online that's got good content but there's a lot of people there's more people commenting on your content and those people are the ones typically and some of the content providers too but typically it's our commenters people that are you know sometimes the the audience if you will that might be commenting or people just on facebook or twitter or whatever the case is just commenting and and pointing out other people's stuff and being hypocrites in, in that. But what do they know? I mean, what, what, what do others know? I'm pointing something out, but they don't know me. So they don't know my baggage. Right. But I get, mm-hmm. I feel good for pointing out somebody else's sin. He says, we preach strongly against sins that we sometimes tolerate under our own roof. Few people are so broken over personal sin that they can only cry out to God. So, uh, number three, he says we find our, our we find happiness in our stuff. I can agree yeah. with that too. There's a yeah. lot of materialism um, today. Mm-hmm. This he says, sure we know it's it's all fleeting, but but we treat it as if it weren't. The more stuff we have, the happier we feel, and the less we need God. And we often have much more stuff than people around the world do. So true. I mean, if you just if you're into missions or if you've seen any missions vi- uh, videos at your church or online on, on YouTube, you'll, you'll notice the despair in other countries, especially the poor countries around the third world world countries. And um, I mean, I've seen children that every day, part of their responsibility in the family, and these are, these are young children. I'd say the videos I've seen have had children as young as I don't know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that area, seven, eight, or nine, they go to the, the dumps or heaps, heaps of, of trash every day. And their job is to go to these heaps of trash and find things that are useful for the family, often food, not really materials. And we're talking food here in a lot of cases, just very poor construction, hardly have anything that you could say is a, is a house. 
As a matter of fact, there's a lot of clubhouses that kids have that are much better conditioned than, than what, you know, you see people living in. And so you see those videos and it just touches your heart because you, mm-hmm. you, you, you get, so we get, we, me too, we get so wrapped up in just the great things that we have and the, the easiness of, of the things like, Hey, I can go to Amazon and I can get this in two days or less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, and a lot of times people find their happiness in that. Uh, number four, we know little of the word of God and often less about the church history. I think those two things are important, but I really think just knowing God's word, as we discussed a, a little, a few minutes ago, it is so important. Number five, he says, we have too few preserving, patient, persistent prayer warriors. Amen. Yeah. You just recently started a prayer group and I was talking about the Pentecostal leaders at this particular school that I went to that had prayer warriors. I mean, they had a room full of prayer warriors and you could feel the prayer penetrating through the walls into the Mm. next classroom. It was so powerful. And often I've seen many, um, many revivals have just started from that, that, Mm -hmm. that position of praying for, with, uh, to God. Um, but we find less and less of that kind of thing. Uh, he's got two more. Number six, he said, we can grow churches without the power uh, of God. Amen. Um, he said that growth may not be the result of non-believers gloriously transformed by the grace of God, but it is still results in increased numbers and churches that show any record of growth seldom begin praying for revival. I'll say this. I was at a Starbucks probably, I don't know, probably seven years ago now. It it was, it's been a while, maybe five to six years rather. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was there having coffee. This was during my lunch and there was two local preachers. I don't know who they were, but there were two local preachers nonetheless sitting right next to me. And they were having the discussion about growth in the church. They were coming up with all sorts of schemes and charts and graphs and strategies and so forth to how they were going to grow the church, what their next moves were, and yada, yada. I was there for an hour. I got there before they did, Um, and they left before I did. Guess what I didn't hear? Why? No prayer. There was no prayer over that conversation at all. There was no, no talk of discipleship. There was no talk of of, of how we're going to build up the body of Christ. It was just literally, I felt like, and I told a lot of people this, I felt like I was in a, um, a conference, a meeting, uh, at work because I was in a finance department at that time. And I felt like I was in a finance meeting because this language that they were using is no different than what we were using to make projections and, 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 uh, and everything else. So, yeah, so sometimes we can grow churches without the power of God. And I think that's an example when we use those kinds of strategies. And our biggest strategy should be the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the power of prayer, and just the power of God's people when they come together in unity and they do take care of each other. They are unified. Yeah, and number- yeah. And number seven, last but not least, we're probably not ready to pay the cost of revival. Let me see what he says here. Ooh. When God, <laughs> when God, when God falls on us in His power, the result must be a brokenness, a brokenness that leads to repentance from sin and weeping over lostness. 
It means calling the church to holiness and dealing appropriately with members who choose to live in rebellion. Revival often wounds first before it heals. And I'm simply not convinced North American church is ready for that. Mm, mm-hmm. That hurts. I mean, yeah, but I, I, I see truth in that too. Cause I, I don't think that we, I don't think we're ready to admit our failures in, in a general sense, but I, in a bigger sense and more spiritual sense, I don't think we're ready. And a lot of us, many of us are, but I'd say a lot of people are not ready to take that to God, give it to God, yeah. lay it at his doorstep and to repent from it, to turn away from whatever it is in their life that is not godly. Right. Right. So, so again, I mean, I think we are in the need for revival, but are we? That's the big question. Um, we've we've got tons of um, we got tons of literature. We've mm-hmm. got tons of resources out there online and in the social media realm. Yeah. Um, tons of great people that are there to help lead, that help walk, or there to help walk beside you, which is what we should be doing with our brothers and sisters. Um, but I think we need, if we're talking about revitalizing kindness, and again, we're talking about like, what is, what does biblical kindness look like? I don't think, and we're going to talk about that more. We're definitely going to unpack what exactly does that look like throughout the season. But I think even to get to there, um, we, we may need revival. Mm-hmm. Um, we need a turning of God's people that's repentive and that is ready to just give it up for God and to make a change for him. And I just, I think sometimes we, we talk about stifling the, the, the Holy spirit or quenching the Holy spirit as the, as the Bible puts it. I think a lot of times we do that in our lives. So if we quench the Holy spirit, which means basically to uh, prohibit in, in, in a sense, uh, the Holy spirit working because of the sins in our lives. It, but if we do that, then, and if we do that in a, because in revival, we're talking about big numbers. So if we do right. the quenching of the spirit, in big numbers, what's the result? There's no movement of God. God's moving though. And he, and he, and will continue to move. Um, but we just need to open our eyes to see it, I think. And we need to be ready. Um, how do we get ready? There's a lot of good questions that we probably can't answer on this particular podcast, but I say just in simple terms, and we'll say it again, and it sounds so cliche, but I have to say it. We have to pray, you know, just like my little Billy Graham magnet that I pulled up on this episode. He said to pray. It's just very simple. And Billy Graham was the first to call him down to give this altar call. So they got to have someone that is making that call, right? Because we go back to that Romans 10 verse that we read earlier. And so we got to have people that are preaching. All right. So, yeah. Are we ready? I don't know. Um, can we be ready? Sure. But I think we need to really work on ourselves because that one of the points that, again, that uh, Chuck Lawless made in that that last um, those article or the points that I was making was that we are, where was it? Uh, we tend to speak about the sin of others rather than to deal with our own sin. We're ready. I mean, we're, hey, 
as a society, and I think social media, unfortunately, has helped us to get there, we are ready to pounce. <laughs> we are ready to destroy your argument, your intellect, your ideals, because we don't agree with it. And sometimes we do it. I don't think it's really even a, a thing that really matters to us, but we do it because it, I don't know if it feels good for people to do it. Um, but anyway, I think that's just where we're at. So we're ready to point out other people's stuff. So we need to take an inner look, maybe read scripture, be familiar with what God's word says, be in prayer and hope that we can get things revitalized. We, we need revival, I believe in the country to make a turn, but, but remember, I think that the one thing that we got to remember, no matter what, no matter if we don't see, or we, we don't think we're seeing physical revival. Just know that God's always working. Amen. You know, he is always working in ways that we can't even we can't even fathom. United States may not be the the main the main plan. It could have been for a while because we were definitely um, active in the works of God. Maybe there's something else out there, a next chapter, if you will. But only God knows that. But we just again we need to pay attention to what we're doing. Um, try to, like we talked about in last season, uh, if the faith has, if your faith has been shook or you feel like you're unplugged from your faith then we need to come back to him and I, and I plead and I'm, and I hope, and I pray for those that are listening that may feel that way that they can. So I look forward to talking more about how to revitalize kindness, how, um, from a biblical standpoint, what does that look like? Because I hope it's encouraging. I think today we we get enough. Dis, uh, I don't think we're encouraged enough. I think we need to encourage each other. But I think we need that encouraging word. So I'll start. I'll stop rambling. Um, Yvette, do you have any last thoughts on what we talked about today? Just that this is a really important topic, one that we we need to continue to unpack um, and continue to encourage. Um, kindness is so important. That's the whole point of this show. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Dave, for, for, um, wanting to tackle this. It's important and we, we shouldn't just stop talking about it. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, one of my, and I'll, I'll end with this. One of my favorite, uh, verses in Psalms 119 is, is Psalm 119, 67. This was sort of my life verse for a little while, especially, I mean, it still is, but especially during this time where I had a point in my life where I didn't want to have anything to do with God. And I had this big turn in my life, right? But one day I came across this verse, which simply says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Man, I think it's so simple. You know, we Guys, we might be in a terrible place. I was afflicted by pain, by sin, by by so much in my life. And it, it really was. It was dragging me down. But you know what? God's word lifted me up. And I thank the Lord for what he did for me. He got me away from drinking. He got me away from drugs. He got me away from doing life the way I was doing life and doing life the way he wanted me to do life, the way he created me. And that was to worship him. And that was to worship him and to love him and to love others. So I'll end with that. Love others. Look, we can do it together. Let's revitalize kindness. See you next time.